Okay, so I'm going to talk about DNA repair 2, um, and this is just Khan Academy's distinction of uh, damage arising from dimers. Okay, dimers are literally just two identical molecules linked together, or stuck together really, because think of it as they're stuck together because uh, dimers are, you know, always, almost, almost always bad for us. Um, so an example is, you know, a pyrimidine dimer. So T, T, T bonded to T. Thymine bonded to thymine, cytosine bonded to cytosine. Um, and in the case of pyrimidine dimers specifically, UV rays cause the formation of these dimers. Now you might say, okay, I know what a dimer is, but what does it do? You know, what's the problem with linking two molecules together? I thought that happened all the time. Um, number, you know, mainly uh, with respect to DNA, which is what you need to know, dimer formation, uh, alt, uh, you know, is horrible for DNA structure. Specifically, uh, it causes the um, the backbone, the sugar phosphate backbone, to protrude, and it also breaks the hydrogen bonds between bases. We can make connections so we can memorize this better. I want you to literally think of the DNA double helix. You have a nice curvy one, and you take one strand and you kind of pull it out like a rubber band. Okay, and you overstretch it. You don't break it. You don't separate the strands completely. Okay, but you know you have like the nice double helix, and then where you pulled it, now it's kind of you know you know it's a lot longer, it's kind of sagging out, right? And that's exactly what's happening when I said the sugar phosphate backbone protrudes. And that kind of helps us remember the second issue too is take, you know, if you take the ladder, right? Our example of the ladder in both hands and you try to, and you try to separate it, you stretch it out, what happens? The rungs would separate, right? The rungs are, are, are joined together by hydrogen bonds. Therefore, the hydrogen bonds are being broken between the bases. So it's, you know, really not much to memorize so much as it is just thinking about it, you know, using that image of the DNA structure and thinking, okay, well, if I have this big bulky dimer that, you know, gets tangled in the DNA, that's literally what's going on. It's, it gets tangled. Now the DNA is kind of, you know, pulled out, stretched out like a rubber band. And when you stretch it out, you break those hydrogen bonds. <clears throat> Um, uh, so majority of this module, I want to make this distinction that uh, uh, damage uh, repair in response to dimer damage is actually not as uh, specific as uh, uh, damage in response to mutations as we talked about. We had the exo and endonuclease activities. Then we had this physiological fail-safe system in the form of the uh, mismatch repair mechanism. Here, we're actually only going to talk about one, um, uh, one form of repair and then actually we're talking about all the ways the cell dies, but that's later on. Uh, majority of the module will be talking about DNA damage factors, okay? And I want to, right off the bat, make a distinction between mutations and damage, right? Dimers are an example of damage. Mutations are mutations. You might say, okay, what are mutations and what are, what are what's the difference? And I thought mutations are bad anyway. Mutations are changes in DNA sequence. So literally an altering of the code. ATG mutates to AAG, maybe, for example. Damage, however, indicates a change in the structure with the nucleotides in the correct order. The nucleotides are untouched. It's the physical structure that's altered, it's, it's harmed. So, you know, for example, if you take a computer, right, mutation would be like an alteration, an error, uh, a deficiency in the computer's code, like the, the coding for a program, right? This, this command was not entered properly, for example. And then damage would be like if you punched your computer, right? So, you know, again, both of these are serious issues, right, that, you know, cease function of the computer, but they're on completely different levels. So I want to draw this distinction immediately. Uh, so we're going to be talking about DNA damage uh, in this module. So we can actually group, uh, we can actually classify uh, DNA damage factors into two groups, endogenous or internal factors, and then exogenous uh, uh, or external factors. And I know this, I'm adding another endo-exo uh, pair to your um, list of terminology, right? You know, you're probably familiar with endo and exothermic reactions, uh, characterizing the uh, absorption or release of heat, uh, endo and exergonic uh, uh, reactions, uh, characterizing the uh, 
uh, release or absorption of energy. And then I just talked about it uh, at length in the previous module, uh, endo and exonucleases or endo and exonuclease activities uh, for DNA repair. This one though is pretty simple. Endo and exogenous uh, factors are simply internal or external. That's it. There's no complicated chemical of reaction or formula. So endogenous or internal factors originate within ourselves. For example, metabolites. And that's really the biggest example is metabolites. And that's just MCAT terminology. You should be familiar with that. Uh, metabolites are simply byproducts of metabolism that damage DNA. A perfect example of a metabolite damaging us, not specifically DNA, but damaging our muscle tissue uh, is uh, in the process of anaerobic, uh, anaerobic respiration, uh, lactic acid fermentation, right? Your body produces lactic acid and which is actually harmful to the body muscle tissue. That's why you get sore if you're running for too long when your body shifts to anaerobic respiration. Um, in the case of endogenous factors uh, um, for uh, byproducts of metabolism that specifically damage DNA, um, we have reactive oxygen species. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. Let me define exogenous factors. These are factors that originate from outside the organism of interest. And common examples are UV rays, gamma rays, and X-rays. So any high energy uh, uh, rays are exogenous factors. Um, so now I'm going to get into uh, endogenous factors. Really, uh, I don't actually have an ex explanation for exogenous factors. It's just UV rays, gamma rays, and X-rays. Uh, but I can explain the endogenous factors a little better. So um, really, uh, we're talking about reactive oxygen species. These are uh, metabolites that are harmful to the body's DNA specifically, not just the body's tissue, not just the body's circulation, the body's DNA. Okay, so the double helix itself. <clears throat> so reactive oxygen species are just that. They're highly reactive and they contain lots of oxygen, right? A perfect example is peroxides, R-O-O-R, -O -R, right? That functional group, if you're familiar with that from organic chemistry, has two oxygens and they're very reactive. Uh, another and actually a better uh, example, really, the one that the module elaborates on is known as the superoxide anion. Right? And this is uh, O2 minus, superoxide anion. This is O2 minus, which is, so you have two oxygens bonded together, uh, a single bond between them and fill all their uh, octets, but then uh, one of them is a radical. Okay, and if you are familiar, if you again, if you've taken organic chemistry, you know from radical chemistry that radicals are, you know, so molecules or atoms with a single atom, or not even a single atom, but an un, an odd number of electrons, right? So you know, if an atom can have two electrons, four, six, eight, right? Radicals are if they have like seven or five or three or one. Do and what and the characteristic of radicals is that they are highly highly reactive. And in fact, actually, you know, for most of us, you know, we won't see like radicals are actually one of the most reactive compounds in existence. Okay, just to give you a, a you know, the level of reactivity that we're dealing with in the form of radicals. Uh, so the O2 minus superoxide anion is a reactive oxygen species. Uh, and so specifically, uh, the superoxide anion uh, and reactive oxygen species are byproducts of the electron transport chain, right? That's a, a up the third step of metabolism uh, of, or cellular, resp cellular respiration. Uh, so it's a byproduct of the electron transport chain. Note that the body, because you might say, oh my God, like, oh my God, so I have these ROSs in my body right now. You do, but there are many enzymes that help protect against uh, ROSs, such as, uh, um, well, I don't have examples of enzymes, but in addition to enzymes, anti antioxidants also um, protect against uh, ROSs. Okay, so now that I've talked about damage factors, uh, which was majority of this module, um, uh, we can how we can ask how is the um, DNA fixed then in response to dimers? How do you fix it? Um, and it's actually very simple. It's a process known as nucleotide excision repair. 
Okay, and really, for those of you who are you know who have done research and know or, or are just familiar with you know excision techniques, this is actually a very you know it's all in the title, right? Repair is repair. Nucleotide excision. You're you're uh, you're um, splicing out nucleotides. Excision is the process of removing, cutting, and removing sections of DNA or or molecules in general. Okay, and I'll actually give you the step. It's a three-step process, and it's very simple. The NER begin the nucleotide excision repair. Um, it's not really a mechanism. It's just called a nucleotide excision repair. It begins with endonucleotase nuclease, removing dimers and improperly arranged nucleotides. Okay, so I want you to go back to the, the idea of our uh, DNA ladder with you know one of its sides or one section of it kind of overstretched like a rubber band. Okay, and there's this bulky uh, dimer in the middle attached to it, bonding to it. Uh, so the endonucleus removes this dimer and the improper nucleotides. It actually removes all of it. Um, and note that, uh, actually I'll get back, get to that in a second. Uh, step two is DNA polymerase brings all the re replacement nucleotides needed uh, to fill the place of the removed nucleotides, obviously. And finally, DNA ligase joins nucleotides to the three neighbors. And you should be familiar with the three neighbors now because we talked about it um, in DNA repair one. Specifically, each nucleotide has three neighbors, right? It has a nucleotide to the left of it, to the right of it, and it's complementary uh, base across from it, right? Um, um, <clears throat> so DNA polymerase brings nucleotides, DNA ligase joins them. That's pretty much it. And endonuclease cuts it out. What I wanted to say before I, before I stopped saying it was remember that, you know, with the, with, um, the mismatch repair mechanism and exonuclease activities, what did we do? What did we use to, uh, cut out, to uh, mark and cut the error strands? or error section of the strands, we used exonucleases, right? In, in mismatch repair mechanism, I'm flipping back to it right now, exonucleases are removed, are used to remove the cutout nucleotides, okay? The proteins mark and cut them, and then the exonuclease removes them. In nucleotide excision repair, we have endonuclease, and the reason we're using endonuclease, if you remember from the beginning of the previous module, which was a long time ago, that endonucleases, uh, uh, um, you know, cut out and make repairs from within, you know, strands, right? From the middle of the strand. Exo nuclease or uh, makes repairs that it you know immediate repairs like uh, like the at the end of a strand like it's synthesizing a new strand it makes and it makes an error and immediately fixes it endonucleases after the strand has been completed or the strand is super long and it just goes to this random middle part and fixes the error so that's uh, that's kind of a distinction between uh, uh, mutations and dimers as a whole in that exonucleases are used primarily for mutations whereas endonucleases are used for dimers uh, and that's it. That is the process of nucleotide excision repair. Note that this is one of many repair mechanisms, not the only one, because you might think, oh my God, like our body is very well equipped to deal with mutations, right? It has exo endonucleus activities and the mismatch repair mechanism, and it, which is very highly selective, right? Um, but for dimers, it only has this one NER. Um, no, it's, it, there, it's one of many repair mechanisms. Um, but we have, um, you know, this is the only one that the module uh, made mention of. So you don't need to worry about the um, other mechanisms. This is the one that you need to worry about is the nucleotide excision repair. Um, what happens though, if a mechanism or a group of mechanisms fail, right? What, what happens, right? Like in the case of exo and endonucleases, we had this, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the golden ticket that was the MR mech that kind of, you know, saved us. It was a fail safe. Unfortunately for this, uh, for dimer uh, repair, we don't actually have a fail safe. We know that that is nucleotide excision repair. If that fails, we get cells with lots of damaged DNA. Okay, so this is really kind of a you know uh, not as uh, uh, specialized or specific a form of repair. If NER fails, too bad. The DNA is now damaged, and so you get a cell with the lots of DNA damage. And so this actually can lead to three potential outcomes: number one, senescence; number two, apoptosis; and number three, unregulated division. 
So number one, senescence, senescence, that actually, you know, sounds like the word senile. And that's really how you should think of it. Senescence is where a cell enters a dormant state and it ages and, you know, no longer divides, right? So it literally, you know, cells, when they stop dividing, they literally die, right? Here, the cell has this kind of dormant state. It's like this gray area. Um, for those of you who have taken like um, uh, a plant biology or like, you know, evolutionary population dynamics, you know, that lots of uh, seeds and plants enter dormant states also. This is exactly what senescence is. So it's not physically dying, but it does age and eventually die, but it does not divide. It's a dormant state, that's senescence. Number two is apoptosis, you should be familiar with this. Actually, I don't know if you're familiar with this. That's fine. Um, I should stop saying stuff like that. Um, apoptosis is where the cell literally commits suicide. So the body tells the cell, uh, commit suicide. And uh, in official terms, it is controlled cell death. So the body realizes, hey, oh my God, cell number you know, 35, you know, NER failed. And now there's all this damaged DNA. Oh my God, what do we do? Uh, so it tells that cell, kill yourself. And the cell says, oh, okay, all right. And so it kills itself. Uh, so that's senescence and apoptosis. And finally, number three is unregulated division. You already uh, are familiar, probably already familiar with this. Uh, and this is cancer, right? Unregulated division, when a cell divides uncontrollably, that is cancer. And this is interesting because it's actually, you know, I want to kind of make connections to help you remember these things. Uh, unregulated division is literally the exact opposite of senescence, right? Because senescence, the cell becomes dormant or essentially less, uh, less active or more inactive uh, and stops dividing. Whereas in the case of unregulated division, the cell explodes or, or not physically explodes, but it, it vigor vigorously divides uncontrollably. It's highly active. Uh, so just note that distinction. Um, and then, uh, for example, in, in the case of unregulated division, uh, I can actually give an example, uh, melanoma, right? So skin cancer. When the NER mechanism fails, it causes the buildup of damaging pyrimidine dimers, which causes the cell to divide uncontrollably. So that's melanoma, actually, this form of skin cancer. Um, is really caused by these pyrimidine dimers. And again, I can make another connection. What did I tell you at the very beginning of this module? What causes pyrimidine dimers specifically? UV rays, right? Ultraviolet rays from the sun. This is why we use sunscreen. This is why people are, this is why we're told, you know, don't stay out in the sun too long because the sun contains these ultraviolet rays that are, you know, forming these, these DNA dimers, right? That are dimers in your DNA that are, you know, literally screwing up your DNA and, and hurting it. Right? And of course, you have all these mechanisms to save yourself, but if you have too much, uh, too great of a dimer buildup, you end up with skin cancer, also known as melanoma. So that's actually the end of DNA Repair 2. I wanted to because I know these two modules were very heavy. DNA Repair 1 and 2 were heavy in terms of content. They're pretty long, so I want to do a quick repair. Um, so let's begin. I won't, I won't uh, waste any time. DNA repair one is uh, damage arising from mutations. DNA polymerase three performs exonuclease activity, meaning it senses errors and it goes back and replaces them, uh, replaces errors, error nucleotides with correct nucleotides. Exo indicates it replaces nucleotide at the beginning or end, whereas endo replaces nucleotides in the middle of a strand. DNA polymerase three, uh, exonuclease in a three to five prime direction. DNA polymerase one and endonuclease in a five prime to three prime direction. So remember, uh, D DP3 kind of matches is the three to five, right? DP3 has three to five, whatever helps you. Um, and also exonuclease's activity for DNA polymer DP3 is equal to endonuclease DP1 uh, inverse. So the inverse of it to the negative one, if they're well, they're inverses. Uh, therefore, you must know that DP1 uh, occurs in five to three prime direction, the exact opposite. In the event that exo and endonucleases fail, mutation occurs characterized by an error on the newly synthesized strand, never on the parent strand. Um, 
Um, um, and as a fail-safe, fail the MR mech occurs. So proteins identified the DNA mismatch uh, using distortion of the sugar phosphate backbone. The mutation distorts the backbone so proteins can easily find it. Proteins mark it and cut it. Uh, the nucleotide out, uh, actually, actually really proteins cut out the nucleotide as a form of marking exo or endonucleases, but really it can be both, but exonucleases often remove the cut nucleotide. And then one of the DNA polymerases inserts the correct nucleotide. And finally, DNA ligase connects it to DNA, uh, to its three neighbors. I'm not going to go into what that is. The DNA is now repaired. Um, um, in the case of, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the one more thing. Uh, the MR mech uses methylated um, uh, adenines of the parent strand, strand to identify it as such because the parent strand can never contain incorrect nucleotides. So the MR mech knows to act on the other strand because of those methylated adenines on the parent strand. Uh, also, um, the MR mech occurs, occurs after replication, whereas exo and endonucleases occur, activities occur during and, um, uh, and or at the end of replication. DNA repair two, a dimer is uh, two identical molecules attached to each other um, uh, intentionally or intentionally. So they're stuck together unintentionally. Uh, pyrimidine dimers are formed by ultraviolet rays. DNA dimers um, or dimers damage DNA structure by breaking the hydrogen bonds between bases and causing the backbone to protrude. Um, we have two forms of DNA damage factors. We have exogenous and endogenous. Exogenous is external, gamma, uh, X, or UV rays. Endogenous are internal factors such as peroxides or reactive oxygen species, species such as the superoxide O2 minus anion, which is a metabolite of the electron transport chain. Uh, antioxidants are an example of enzymes that protect DNA from ROSs. Um, now, the solution to DNA damage is only that, or not only, but in you know, we only make mention of the NER mechanism, nucleotide excision repair, endonuclease, so not exo this time, endonucleases, re remove the dimers and the improperly arranged nucleotides, DNA polymerase brings the replacement nucleotides, then the DNA ligase joins the replacement nucleotides with its three neighbors. Note that the the um, the nucleotide excision repair is the final fail state. And you might say, and I'm going to pause the summary because we're pretty much done here almost. Uh, you might say, wait, but I thought you said, you know, when we were talking about it, that, you know, the NER is an example of only one. You know, there are multiple other mechanisms. Yes, but what I mean by this, that NER is the final fail state, is that these mechanisms don't occur sequentially. In other words, you have NER mechanism or you have some other mechanism. It's not that you have the NER mechanism and then some mechanism after it as a failsafe for NER. If NER fails, the cell enters one of those three states, senescence, apoptosis, or unregulated division occur. Senescence is senile, so the dormant state where the cell ages and does not divide, and it becomes inactive. Apoptosis, where the cell is con controlled cell death, um, uh, the, the body tells the cell to kill itself. And number three is unregulated cell cellular division, uh, where the cell becomes hyperactive and divides rapidly and uncontrollably.